Welcome to The Crunch with Crib. I'm Jess, and each episode I'll be talking with some of WA's best real estate agents and business people to find out what makes them tick and what lessons they've learned on their journey to success. If you've ever dreamt of starring on the block, then you'll be envious of Lauren Zanata, director of Perth Property Flippers. For her, every day is a real-life block episode. Since leaving her job with a luxury car dealership in 2013, Lauren has worked hard to build a career renovating and developing Perth properties. And in this episode of The Crunch, she tells us all about the ups and the downs, as well as sharing some hot tips for wannabe renovators. Lauren, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. You're very, very welcome. Now, before we kind of, I guess the first question I always ask my guests is what's your background and how did you get to where you are? Um, And, you know, you're a property flipper, which isn't a common thing. So even more important that we kind of find out how you got here. Yeah, actually, it's um, it's a very interesting journey. It's definitely organically happened, which I think is um, pretty cool. So it's definitely it was trial and error in the beginning to see do I do I love this? Mm-hmm. Um, it is a lot of work and um, it can be quite a stressful business to run. So yep. you know you definitely have to be passionate about what you do in business yep. to be successful. Yep, so yep. yeah. So what were you doing before you were flipping? So I was actually working in the car industry. Um, okay. So I was working for Barbagello's in Perth. That was the position before I went into the business. Yeah. Um, so doing stock control for brands like Ferrari, Lamborghini, Range Rover. Wow. And quite a lot of our clients were actually property developers. Okay. And in property or had large businesses, obviously. Yeah, So right. um, any opportunity that I could get to grab them while we're doing their car delivery. Yeah. And I would say, how did you get to where you are? Like, or how are you finding business? I was just so intrigued by the whole thing. Right. But actually, um, that was a little bit of in- inspiration for me, I have to be honest. What was your kind of interest, what piqued your interest before you even you know, while you were working in cars, what piqued your interest in property? So my uh, parents, they were flipping properties without knowing my entire life. Ah. And also my aunties and uncles were doing farms and they still do now here in Perth. So um, from a very young age, I think I was between the age of seven and nine, I was painting houses with my parents. Oh, wow. houses. So um, I definitely knew that it was something that is a generational business mm-hmm. um it can create good income bit of um equity increase by renovating and building and all of that sort of stuff yeah, so right. i was just like hmm definitely want to have this in the background of my life yeah didn't think it would be in the foreground of my life and mm-hmm. actually become like my child <laughs> <laughs> that it is at the moment but um yeah most definitely was uh, my parents and family that inspired yeah, right. that so you started obviously kind of part-time I would did you while you were at Barbagello and slowly yeah, transitioned yeah. to being a full-time yeah yeah so tell me about that leap like yeah, so renovating on the weekends when you work a corporate job for like Barbagello's, they're a big organisation, they yeah. have quite a few dealerships and I was managing um, three dealerships at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were working very long hours as well. So weekends for me were painting, tiling and then back in on a Monday, which I just loved it. I loved both things that I was doing. So mm-hmm. it's not that I had a lack of energy for it, it's just that it was um, 
I wasn't able to do the renovation as quickly as I would like because mm-hmm. I was limited to those two days a week. So it took almost a year and a bit to finish a renovation whilst okay. working. And now, so what was the point? Was it a financial point? Was it a, okay, well, I've got five under my belt. I'm going to really push mm. this and go full time. What was the point where you said, I'm going to turn my side hustle into mm. my full-time gig yeah when the side hustle made twice as much as <laughs> I was making in my corporate job okay that was the point point. and I went oh my gosh how long were you is... doubling doing the like both of them how long was that going on I would say a two-year period okay managing both wow yeah, so okay two house renovations yeah. whilst working corporate okay and then when I went into the third fourth fifth I was out I was full-time yeah. in the business so that was in 2013. Wow mm. so tell me one and a half years while you're doing it two days a week it takes to flip a property mm. how long does it take you now? So we're actually really pushing <laughs> pushing ourselves and pushing yeah. the business so structural renovations tend to take about six months mm-hmm. on a house size that we're doing currently mm-hmm. uh, we try and knock them out in 12 weeks. Wow so okay. So half the time. So it's the block. <laughs> Look, honestly, at this point on the Akibia Reno, we're getting towards the end. Yeah. Uh, we actually have 20 days to go. And my brief to the trades are, are you guys ready for an episode of the blog? Because <laughs> this is what's about to happen. Yeah, right. It literally does turn into that. Okay. Yeah. So talk me through the process of of a renovation from start to finish. Actually, on that topic of turning into the <laughs> blog, you know, it's self-inflicted. <laughs> this is the funny thing about it all. We control the schedules. Us as directors of the company, we are setting these timelines for ourselves and we could choose to blow it out if we wanted to. But actually, like, it's just so much fun. To push Having it. This, yeah, and getting everyone on board Um, our contractors and everyone syncing up with our mindset and all pushing ourselves. It just brings something so beautiful to what we do. So we tend to keep them really tight. Do they love it? They love it. Yeah. We have so much fun. (laughs) It's like eight o'clock at night doing concrete pours and sitting back together. And it's something that not a lot of us or them even would do. Yeah. I'm sure their families love you. Yeah. Well, (laughs) Mm. Maybe not. Maybe not. So tell tell me about the process from start to kind of, I don't know, from when you pick your property to delivering what's mm. what are all the steps that you have to go through? Yeah, it's actually, especially in the Perth market at the moment. So we've built a business, a property business in a downturn, which I am so proud of, actually. <laughs> and I think be. I think that's uh, really highlighted the skill level that we have within the business because, you know, different to the East Coast, they've been in an upswing. Mm-hmm. Um, flippers that are over there, house flippers, they tend to get that notion of luck yeah. put into their business model because the market is growing and there is a lot of luck in that as mm-hmm. well that they're capitalising on. We don't have that privilege, actually. Yeah. We need to be more strategic here to make sure that our deals are profitable in a falling market. Yeah. We're allowing for price drops yeah. in our feasibility. So you're having to find genuine value, not just Literally, market yeah. Yeah, increases. Yeah. So we're buying properties um, on current market value so what they're valued at today Mm -hmm. we're trying to purchase them at 50 percent less okay and how do you go about doing that yeah very heavily distressed (laughs) properties so either someone's gone bankrupt unfortunately Mm -hmm. um and we've come in and taken it off the bank that are in possession um or someone has passed away and it's um it's been left to the family to sell 
or tenants have unfortunately damaged it and the owner doesn't have the um, disposable income to be able to fix it. So mm-hmm. they've had to short sell the property. So it's actually, it's quite a few unfortunate uh, circumstances, but someone's going to do it. Yeah, um, it devalues the street, devalues the suburb by having properties like that within it. So I think that we're actually helping the community, mm-hmm. um, revitalizing the community as well, and we're creating jobs. Absolutely, you know, in a marketplace where construction is struggling, that yeah. sector at the moment. Um, you know, I I feel very passionate about creating jobs for our team and you know ourselves. Yeah. as we go along. So. so tell me about the finding of the property. Do you have a, a team of agents working with you? Do you have connections mm. with the bank? Like, well, how do you go about jumping on, you know, your everyday punters on realestate.com looking for a house? Yeah. How do you go about finding those gems? Yeah, look, um, we have a lot of tricks yeah. that we use. We're definitely not standard investors. Yeah. Um, and we've developed these over a long period of time. Um, I have done a university degree's worth of training in this. Okay. Um, through mentors that are... Um, highly qualified in that area. So, for example, a property developer, he's done a billion dollars worth of property development. Mm -hmm. He trained me in property development. Then I've gone to a renovator who, um, so Cherie Barber, she's on uh, The Living Room Mm -hmm. on TV. Mm -hmm. She was actually my first mentor back four or five years ago, whenever that was, maybe a bit longer. And um, another lady, Naomi Finlay, she's another secret weapon. So she's um, launched her TV show on Channel 10 at the moment. Mm-hmm. So, again, it's just getting specialised knowledge from people that know what they're talking about. Yeah. They do what you want to do mm-hmm. um, and then following it like a recipe. Yeah. It's not like, hey, I'm going to change the self-raising flour to plain flour and hope I get the same cake. It yeah. is following it to a T. Every time. Every single time. Okay. So, so at the moment, what, um, you know, I guess I'm interested in, obviously our listeners are interested in real estate specifically. So yeah. um, how do you choose a suburb Mm. Uh, you know, the suburb, the next suburb that you're going to work in or do you, you know, what's your process in terms of do you start with kind of a big wish list and then you hone in Mm. to find the one that's got the right property? Kind of what's that process? Yeah, look, there is a checklist for us and it's very important that not only are we buying a distressed property, Mm -hmm. so something that is, look, I actually would almost call it, it has to be unlivable. Okay. Yeah, best yep. way to describe it. And so this is no where one, we, literally no one else wants to buy it? Well, you can't live there. Yeah. Like yep. it's just, it's uninhabitable. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of house or wannabe house flippers as well make that mistake of going to home opens on the weekend and they're looking at properties that people are living in. Yeah. And they're thinking it's dated so I can update it yep. and this will be fine. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, we, we need to have these insurance policies built into our business that we're buying really super cheap mm-hmm. and that is the way. It has to be uninhabitable. Uninhabitable. Yes. Okay. Okay. Um, the second thing for me, so development potential mm-hmm. as well. So um, we need to maximise the potential of the project as much as we can. So I'm always looking for uh, properties that meet a, a big criteria mm-hmm. as well of what mm-hmm. we can do with it to make it more valuable. Um, another big tip would be infrastructure upgrades. Okay. So especially in the Perth marketplace at the moment, yeah. um, we have obviously the new airport, train station link, 
to the city, um, lots of upgrades around those sorts of pockets mm-hmm. happening as well, shopping centre upgrades like Karen Up and Carousel, um, just keeping an eye on what the bigger players in Perth are doing yeah. is a very good strategy. Okay. Um, I have a couple of friends of mine, not something that I implement, but they follow places like Bunnings yeah. and Woolworths and Aldi okay. stores. Because they're they the fast movers to... into those suburbs that are growing. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And it tends to attract um, buyers into that pocket as well because they yeah. want to be near that infrastructure. Yeah. So it is. that's one way of, of localising um, what you're doing to make sure you have supply and demand okay. as well. All right. Awesome. Mm. So now we talked about your timelines and you're kind of on the block timelines at the moment. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <What's>, Self-inflicted. <laughs> do you set those really early and then stick to them or this has Akebia always been the, on those self-inflicted psycho timelines or have you, mm. as the process has gone on, gone, we can achieve so much better, we're really mm. going to push it? How do you set your timelines and then stick to them? Yeah, it's interesting. I So I try to, depending on the project type, so if it's just a cosmetic renovation, which means that you're not adding on extra bedrooms mm-hmm. or doing structural elements, mm-hmm. if it's just cosmetic, we can do that in six weeks very comfortably. Yeah. And that's where I set the timeline because I know that's what we've done in the past. Yeah. We've actually done cosmetic renovations in 26 days. Okay. But that was with like not having a lot going on in the background, yeah. which now the business has other elements to it. So mm-hmm. I don't um, I don't set timelines like that anymore. <laughs> Fair. But it's possible. You know, yeah. if you're doing one, you can definitely um, you can hone that in a little bit tighter than even what we do. Um, with a structural renovation, the general market consensus is six months on a structural. Yeah. Um, I've taken it to a 12-week on a structural. Okay. Okay, so that's what I said in the business. Yeah. If we're doing a development. Um, the timelines are set there from your builder construction and it depends on the market as well. Like yeah. when builders are really busy, they sometimes can take up to two years to complete a, a development. Yeah. When they're quiet, we're talking nine months. Okay. So up front when you're in your due diligence phase with your builders and your tradesmen they give you the timeline depending on the project as well yeah and then I try and set it a little bit tighter. Okay. And then you're whip crack, cracking the whip and yeah. keeping them on track. Yeah, like on the Akivia Reno, it's been yeah. really funny. So I set up front the timeline of 12 weeks. So mm-hmm. it was from settlement day to 12 weeks. That's our deadline. Yeah. Then halfway through the project, I've gone, oh, my God, we're, like, so amazing. Let's <laughs> um, try for, like, I'll pull it in three weeks and yeah. see if we can do this in nine weeks. More because I like to... Push the boundaries. Yeah. Um, I think there's always room for improvement in a business. So I do shoot for the stars yeah. all the time. Uh, we missed the stars. <laughs> We've like landed somewhere amongst the stars, but it's good. So anyway, it looks like we're probably going to be a week late. Okay. So, so you're down to 10. That's right. From 12? No, no, we're doing 13 weeks. Oh, 13. Okay, 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 gotcha. Yeah, so. Okay. And and that is not the end of the world for us either. Because I know that I'm pushing the boundaries. And when when we're not getting close to finishing on the nine weeks that I'd set, I just say to everyone, hey, we're we're going back to 12 because I can see that it's not happening within that time frame and that's cool because we've actually had a couple of unforeseen happen on this job as well. So it it wasn't exactly what we were expecting when we've opened her up. Yeah. There was a lot more work to As be in done. the structure and the, the actual property. Yeah. How often does that happen? Yeah. <clears throat> Every time. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's um you have to be very soft on yourself yeah. in a business like this. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of unforeseen. It's high risk, high reward. Mm-hmm. And uh, we don't beat ourselves up. What's the biggest nightmare you've ever encountered on a project? 
It actually happened to me on Project 33. Okay. So what number is, are you on now? Okay, well, for this year, yeah. so in the last 12 months, we've done 15 houses. Okay. Um, 11 of those we have purchased and yeah. the others that are in there are for business partners that I've stepped in and helped out and also I was in America. Okay. Uh, um, on a couple of flips over there. Okay. So, I've got so many questions that we can come back to, but yeah. tell me about your biggest nightmare, yeah, Project 33. Project 33, wow. Um, this has actually inspired another chapter of the business for me. So it's quite funny. The biggest lessons and hardships that I've had in the business have been the biggest blessings. Mm -hmm. So um, I'm actually looking to get my builder's ticket now going forward. Wow. Which I find hilarious. (laughs) And everyone that I tell are like, this is really quite funny. (laughs) If you've ever seen me, you would know why it's funny, right? And, you know, honestly, Jess, I think I'm doing it for a laugh. (laughs) Just for the lols. Because I find it funny. And when I find something like, I don't know, look, there is a professional element to this. Absolutely. Everything's very strategic for me. But if it's fun (laughs) and strategic... Like triple whammy for me. Yeah. So I'm like, I can control my timelines. Now I'm the builder. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas when, and this is what happened on Project 33, I was at the demise of a builder who I could not get motivated. I had taken off to America while the project was underway and I was relying heavily on my project manager and the builder to Mm -hmm. see it through. And I'm getting Skype videos and all this sort of stuff and I'm going, holy shit. This is not where we need to be and I'm here and I literally wrapped up the US stuff and flew back into chaos. Okay. It was actually a nightmare. (laughs) Yeah. So project like not hitting deadlines, things are going wrong. Quality was disgraceful. Okay. Yeah. So and not being able to be there to show or guide or change anything was really tough for yeah. me and I so that was a big lesson okay to, that it, I thought that I could hand the business over in a way to my staff but I think the key to a successful business is a director that is hands-on yeah actually yeah, absolutely and a create I'm a very creative person as well yeah. so a lot of what happens um in the project it is my vision and my dream so I'm like how do you get someone else to get in your head oh yeah it's actually very hard it's to tough. do it's very so tough. yeah literally flew back in from America and sacked a whole heap of people <laughs> okay um the tough decisions that you need to make yeah and I, I it was like I'm a very soft person mm-hmm. personality like I um I can't even kill a blowfly <laughs> I'm I'm a vegetarian and literally like I, I feel and I do I do a lot of yoga, I'm very spiritual, so I feel with people and having to be the boss and be hard and sack people and do all that sort of stuff, it's so against my personality. Yeah. I really I would be more inclined to give people a try and then try and train them and do all of that sort of stuff. But mm-hmm. it can come to a point where if someone does not see your vision and they don't sync up with you, you cannot train them yeah. and you have to make those hard calls. Yeah. So we had a – yeah, it was a big um, big learning curve for me, okay. Project 33. <laughs> I stepped in actually. Big, yeah, okay. So the, the builder hired me. Yeah. Uh, that was – Oh, it. okay. I actually said so, this is your only two options here. Yeah. You walk away. From this and I step someone else in or you hire me as a project manager and you let me take over your site. Okay. And I did. There you go. Mm. So I wanted to ask, and that leads into your team, because I wanted to ask about the team and I guess the structure of the business. It sounds like you have a lot going on. (laughs) And I think 
property flipping isn't something that is well known amongst people. They kind of think of it as something that's a part-time job or, you know, you come in and you yeah. you rental a house and you sell it, like you said, cosmetic changes, I guess. So yeah. um, the structure of your business, what you've got going on and the team around you and, you know, is that mostly contractors? How do you select mm. those people? Mm. Can you tell me a little bit about Yeah, you're so right about <laughs> it being a foreign concept. It's so foreign. Yeah. Even chatting to you, I'm like, my God, I didn't know any of this was a part of, you know, <laughs> Yeah. Your business. Yeah. So um, we're Perth property flippers. Mm-hmm. So many times we get Perth property slippers <laughs> and I'm like, no, we're not a slipper business. <laughs> That's how foreign it is, <laughs> which I it's love. It's quite an American term. It is such. You mentioned you'd been to America. Was that yeah. obviously learning? Yeah. A learning, yeah. So Instagram is such a powerful tool. Mm. Um, I started the business Instagram account when I started in, uh, actually I had a look back getting ready for the podcast and we opened that account in 2014. So about okay. six months after we, I was flipping, actually I was flipping for two years before that. Yeah. But after I went full time into the business, I started the Instagram account because I just felt like this was going to be a thing. Yeah. And it wasn't a thing back in 2014, let me tell you. Yeah. But it did open the door to, because I was hashtagging house flipping and it was bringing up American people. Mm-hmm. So I met a friend, a very close friend of mine now who's a house flipper in L.A., and Yulia and I have been talking for a very long time since the beginning. Yeah. And she was like, there are house flippers in Australia. This is amazing, <laughs> right? It was just hilarious how it started. And um, I always said to her, I'm coming over to train with you, girl. Yeah. And that happened at the end of last year. So okay. I was in LA on one of her flips. Um, she's doing multi, multi-million dollar Hollywood Hills flips. Okay. Uh, which is a, an area that once the Perth market stabilises, um, I would be looking to take the business into more of a prestige market mm-hmm. but um yeah wow it was just fantastic to yeah. see her doing her thing in a yeah, market okay. where it is normal and contractors are used to your business model as yeah. well so how many businesses like yours do we have in perth at the moment look um i would challenge someone else see i can't comment because um they could be very unseen. Yeah. But I think we're actually the largest house flipping company in WA. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would love to meet anyone else who is doing more than us. Yeah. Because I think um, that would inspire me even further yeah. to see what they're doing. Yeah. But as far as I know, there is no one there else doing as many else. Yeah, yeah. as what we are. And and actually I, we've shocked ourselves um, the way that we've been able to perform in the last 12 months as well. Mm-hmm. So, so tell me what you're working on at the moment or what the last 12 months you've kind of done. Mm. Yeah, so 15 renovations yep. all up, which is a mix of developments in that as well okay. um, and structural, actually mainly all development potential renovations. So okay. it's all, like I said, in my checklist of musts in my due diligence phase, yeah. it's to try and layer on as many of these strategies as possible. So deceased, estate, distressed mm-hmm. property, renovation potential, development potential, subdivision potential, mm-hmm. able to hold on a strategy, so high rental yield or airbnb as well as laid in so if i can check when i'm looking for a property and i'm going tick 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 holy oh my god yeah check seven of these yeah in the strategy i can do all of them and how do you decide what to do if that's the case so that takes a little bit more research definitely so like the airbnb strategy is a new one for us Mm -hmm. um more because airbnb is a new strategy in australia yeah as well yeah so uh, we're always evolving and following market trends or what the market is looking for and mm-hmm. I think in business um, you would be very 
um, silly to not evolve yep. in this day and age because technology is changing things so rapidly. Um, plus also I find it really exciting. I love the whole tech side and social media side yeah. and these apps that we're managing our businesses off from wherever. Mm-hmm. I'm like, holy moly, this is just brilliant. Why yeah. would you not evolve? You know, it's such a missed opportunity. So, um, yeah, like the Airbnb thing, it's not that it qualifies on all of ours. Mm-hmm. The Akibia Reno is not an Airbnb. We yeah. are flipping that because it doesn't qualify our hold strategy, mm-hmm. but it qualified in all the other areas. Okay. So you've just got to be... Okay, so my little tip talking about Airbnb. So how do you know if it's a good Airbnb hold? There is a website that you go to called AirDNA.com. Okay. There you go. And you pay $19 a month for the subscription and what you do on there is you type in the suburb that you're looking at and it does a correlation of all the Airbnbs in that suburb Mm -hmm. and it will look through their calendars and see what they're charging and it will tell you the average night rate. It will tell you their occupancy, so how often it's booked out. Yeah. And we look for properties that are booked out for longer than 50% of the year. Okay. So if they're booked out under 50% of the year, we don't touch them for Airbnb. Yeah. Um, If they're up around the 80%, 90% occupancy, then you're onto a gold mine. Right. Yes. So AirDNA.com. That's the one. There's a hot tip for you. Yeah, I can't believe I shared that. You guys got really lucky. (laughs) Got me on a good day. It's the good vibes only sign. (laughs) Yeah, so look, anyone can do that. And a lot of these tools that we utilise in the business are um, public platforms, believe it or not. It's just knowing where to go. Yeah, yeah. It's knowing where to look. And again, it's baking the cake. It's the recipe. Mm -hmm. So we follow everything that we do in the business to a T. Like Mm -hmm. it's, does it qualify? I'm not playing guess games with anything when it comes to that. It may look like that on social media though. (laughs) No, we know. We know what's going on behind the scenes. Yeah. So with the development site, for example, are you building, you know, I think of a development either as apartment block or townhouses or Mm. are you building those Mm. or are you – getting the site prepared, you know, what's the process of, mm. say, development as opposed to the Akebia Reno, which is structural changes to an existing property that yeah. you're then going to Yeah, do, so like the Akebia Reno, mm-hmm. um, so we had another one called the Hartfield Reno mm-hmm. um, that was a renovate the front house structural, same yep. as Akebia, but it had development potential. So mm-hmm. we come in and subdivide the land. So okay. we're creating the side access driveway to drive to the rear lot. Yeah. I'm doing all the services. So mm-hmm. we're doing all the underground connections, installing like massive soak wells down the driveways that I could live in. Yeah. Right. <laughs> that cost a fortune. <laughs> no, it's not a waste of money. These are things that you have to you do have to, to qualify do. with the WAPC, the Western Australian Planning Commission, give mm-hmm. you a checklist of what is required mm-hmm. to be able to subdivide a property and run services. So I manage all of that in-house. Okay. Um, I have my surveying teams. Obviously, um, you're only as good as your team mm-hmm. uh, and you would be quite um, crazy, I think, to think that you could do all of it yourself. Absolutely. And And you know, working underneath me within our business model, we have 40 to 50 years worth of professional experience yeah. that I have on call mm-hmm. 24-7 to help okay. me. So, so then tell me about your team and how you've structured your business. Mm. Is it you and a business partner heading it up? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So um, it was my ex-husband and I. Yeah. So in the last 12 months, um, we decided to part ways. Mm -hmm. So going through a divorce whilst creating a business. And renovating, flipping 15 properties. Yeah, yeah. Like we've had a big year. Yeah. It's been massive. But it's, you know, it's only made us 
my hus- my ex-husband and I stronger. Okay. Because we've had to still work together. Yeah. Because it, it's not a quick like, okay, we're not going to be in business together anymore. It's done tomorrow. Mm-hmm. It has taken us a while to unravel it. But in that process, we have become even stronger as business partners mm-hmm. as well. So he's actually, we're still working together now. Yeah. Actually, I was on the phone to him in the car on the way here to yeah. the podcast talking about all of that stuff. Yeah. So um, it look, that he was a very solid part of my support system mm-hmm. for the last 12 years yeah. in the business and still is now. Um, going forward, though, because of the change over the last year, I have started to bring in new business partners mm-hmm. because it is important to have that person who is as responsible and accountable as I am yeah. in the business. And you cannot get that out of a tradesperson. Mm-hmm. You cannot get that out of a subcontractor and someone working for you. They just don't have the skin in the deal. Yeah, they don't have the investment. Yeah, I guess. to do what what I do and yeah. how I feel within that. So it, it has been a natural progression to let other business partners into what we do mm-hmm. um, and it's I actually credit my divorce well <laughs> <laughs> to the business growing yeah. the way that it has in the last 12 months. I imagine it would force you to put in processes and things in place that maybe before when you're working together with someone so closely you kind of you know what goes on each yeah. of you know whereas yeah. you know this you know, you might have to put other processes in place so oh, that yeah. things are more formal and that el- enables growth of the business and enables other people to come in. Massively. Yeah. I think we've actually only become a business in the last, like, 18 months. Yeah. Even though we have been operating as a business since yeah. 2013, it's quite funny. It's like it was really just me having fun in my doing my thing yeah for the last you know six five years and now, now I'm like I want to take this to the next level mm-hmm. and I need as much support as I can I need to get everything out of my head on paper into systems so that I have people that I can step in yeah and re- I've had to do that in the last 18 months and yeah. then it's yeah it's helped the business grow because I'm no longer working in the business. I'm so working exciting. on the business more. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's quite cool. What about your trades? Do you work with the same trades every time or we, do you have, a te- you know, different mm, teams? Yeah, look, um, just like us in our own day-to-day jobs, right, we can get bored of what we're doing. So mm-hmm. we've had trades that are fantastic at what they do but then they've gone up and taken a mining contract and that yeah. means that we can no longer utilise them in Perth. Mm-hmm. So um, you do organically have to change uh, people within the business. Mm-hmm. Um, the ones that are fantastic, yes, you know, and it, it is proven project by project as well. And yeah. I think all of we all hold that same standard to what we do. Even myself, I'm like, I'm project to project. I'm only as good as the one I'm doing now. Yeah. It doesn't matter what's happened in the past yeah. as well. You know, the second we're on to the next one, we're in the next one. Yeah. You know, yeah. so everyone's going to continue to toe, toe the line as we go along. Mm-hmm. And if there is that's coming out of alignment in any way, then there are a lot of people that want work yeah. and a lot of very good tradesmen out there and um, we're always willing to take on new people within the team. Mm-hmm. Plus also now because of the, the size that we're starting to go to, we mm-hmm. need backup yeah. as yeah. well. So we can't just have one electrician that we call just in case they're on a large contract mm-hmm. when we need them. And they're not available. Yeah, yeah. so we really have quite a large contractor base yeah. that we utilise okay. and they are my loves. Seriously, with you every day. Oh my gosh! It's like, like your colleagues. Yeah, I yeah. ring them. I'm like, "Where are you at the moment?" And they're like, "Yeah, I'm on this job over here, Lauren. What do you need?" And I'm like, "Do you reckon you can come here in ten minutes? Like, I'm having, I'm dying. Like, this has happened." And they go, "Okay, where are you?" And they come and save me. 
<laughs> like they Pays are, to have good relationships. Oh, I am not honestly. This business is nothing. They are everything. Mm-hmm. My tradespeople, they know how much I love them. Mm. I feed them and bring them drinks <laughs> and praise them constantly because I cannot. I'm so bad with tools. Yeah. Terrible. Yeah. In, like injure, injure myself, injure everyone, damage the project. <laughs> Nothing happens without them. Yeah. They are everything, and they definitely do not get enough credit for what they do. So. Yeah, Shout I make out sure to they the feel trades. It. Yeah. All tradesmen. <laughs> Seriously. Absolutely. Yeah. What about your agents? Obviously that's a big that's our area. That's that's who we talk to all the time. Mm. Do you have your go-to real estate agents? Does it depend on the suburb you're mm. you're working in? How do you select your agent? That is an awesome question. So I and this is something, so I do a little bit of mentoring and eventually I will. That is the end business goal for me once I have it passively set and it's all gone good I would love to give back Mm -hmm. and train other people to do what we do Mm -hmm. so I do a little bit of that in the background at the moment Um, and I always say you this is what I do I only deal with the licensees of the agencies within that suburb okay so it is area specific we don't carry one agent across the board Mm -hmm. because they could be for example very far south of the river and then we're on a project very far north and they're not area experts of the far north they're Mm -hmm. area experts in the south southern suburbs and i respect that and i also respect the time that the travel time between that, if there's someone that wants to view my property at short notice, they're not going to be able to do that like a local expert would or able to stand there at a home open and say, I sold that down the road, I sold that next door in this year, I did that. And that to me, like I know if I was a buyer, I would appreciate that Mm -hmm. area knowledge. Mm -hmm. So I'm always trying to, within the business, um, step myself into other people's shoes all the time and think what would I want? But I think a very big key to the success is dealing with the directors. Mm-hmm. So if I'm new in a suburb and I've never met anyone before, I'm looking on realestate.com and I'm seeing who has been um, selling. Yeah. What agency has been selling? That's my first point to start to scale down. Who mm-hmm. am I going to walk in the door to in mm-hmm. their office and ask for the owner and ask for the licensee? Okay. So I scale it first in the background and then I'm I'm out meeting them and and then it's a vibe thing. Yeah. Yeah. Get in there. So you're interviewing a few and then you've, you're kind of getting a, to, uh, a take on the vibe. Yeah, Is yeah. it ever a, a question about, you know, some licensees don't sell or they yeah. sell, lim- you know, that you know they'll sell one or two to keep their finger in the pie. Yep, yeah. Um, so are you going to the licensee and saying, give me your best agent or are you going to the licensee and saying, I want you to sell my property? It's, I want you to sell my property. Okay. I'm okay with you having, let's say you've got two support sales guys. Yeah. Absolutely okay with them working the home opens and doing that sort of stuff. If you vouch for them, mm-hmm. I trust you as yeah. a director. And I'm the same, you know, within my team. If I'm going to set someone out to step in for me, I'm making sure that they're going to do it. This is my reputation on the line. Yeah. And I know they're the same. Yeah. So it's not a strict like, no, I'm not flexible to what you, you know, your yeah, busy yeah. schedule. Yeah. But it is definitely having them closely monitoring our listing. It's very important. Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, the other question I wanted to touch on and we briefly spoke about it earlier was social media because yeah. you said you, you've been on Instagram now four years, five years, yeah, five 2014, years. <laughs> and you do have a really big following. So mm-hmm. how important is that, I guess, for your business? What, what do you, what's the strategy there? It sounds like everything mm-hmm. you do is strategic. Yeah, look, <laughs> um, 
That was a real gut feeling in the beginning. Yeah. I, I honestly cannot put my finger on why I felt like Instagram was going to be something. Mm-hmm. I just did. Yeah. And I kept it there. Yeah. No matter what was happening, I, it was a platform other than like Facebook just never mm-hmm. worked for me. Yeah. I did not vibe with it. And actually I feel like in the last couple of years it's not vibing with a lot of businesses. Yeah. And it's really interesting that we happen to be there present on Instagram and work at it when it wasn't a thing. And then yeah. when it has become it, we already had a presence. Mm-hmm. So that happened really organically. Yeah. It was just a gut feeling for me. And how do you use it? Uh, obviously, you know, your stories are, are, are a great insight into your business <laughs> and what you do every day and you as a person. <laughs> yeah. But you're not really like your agent selling your product to the marketplace. Yeah. You're, you know, how, so what is it? What's the benefit for you guys as a business, I guess? Um, I do not spend any money on marketing. Okay. That's the first benefit. Yeah. Um, it is a free platform to be able to get your message out unfiltered. Mm-hmm. Really. So my, like... I'm a bit of a rebellious soul, let's be honest. I always have been and I think that um, that is a massive key to my success because I don't don't conform to the norm. I definitely like to break the mould and one of those things that Instagram attracted me to be able to share my true message, yeah. who I am and whatever junk I want to share, well, you know, it's it's just my life. Yeah. It's a, a bit of a behind-the-scenes um, sneak around what we do day to day. And there's real – there's no – I'm not trying to sell anything. No, it's just a, a bit of a – It's just Sneak peek. Yeah, yeah, and it has – it's become so valuable in the business, even mm-hmm. though we're not utilising it to sell our product because it doesn't work like that. Mm-hmm. You know, our agents, like you said, it's yeah. their job to sell our product. But then after they've sold it and when the buyer has found out that this was a house flip, they come on and follow my page and message me and send me photos of them living in the projects yeah. and how much they love it and all. And I'm like, oh, I love this. Yeah. Like this is... It's just it's feeding my soul mm-hmm. having it as well and mm-hmm. being able to inspire other people to do what we're doing because they are seeing how much how much fun we actually have yeah. while we're doing this as well. Yeah. And, you know, it's I think it's such a blessing to have a platform like that that you can unfiltered mm-hmm. show what you want to show. Yeah, the, what know? goes on, yeah. the, true, the true story. Yeah, yeah. So it's quite an interesting one. I, I think it's actually helping our sales. Okay. As well. Yeah. Mm. Well, I guess, and especially, you know, with hashtagging and all of those things, you can reach people in those areas that are not only following you as the business but are looking for a home in that area or, you know, you're kind of catching them before they're seeing the good quality work that's going in and you're catching them before it even hits the market. I think that's actually a really good point, the good quality work. Yeah. So um, buyers as well, they can be a little bit on edge Mm -hmm. about buying a renovated property because it's not like when you build, you don't have the same types of warranties and all that stuff built in. So Mm -hmm. they may not value a renovated property property as highly as a new build but if they know that we're an expert professional and we've had a long track record Mm -hmm. of renovations they know they're getting a quality product yeah but they only know that because we're sharing that on Mm -hmm. social media yeah that's exactly right on our website yeah whereas other renovators like mums and dads that just fix up their home while they're living there and then sell it they don't have that um, expertise that we offer yeah. actually so there's a little bit of a market advantage there for yeah. the buyer as well to feel confident about our product yeah and I think that's driving the higher sale price at the end as well beautiful mm. um Airbnb we touched on it before as being yeah. a new strategy for you and a new tick box um <laughs> yeah. and I wanted to quickly 
I guess, ask what it, it must be a new branch of the business because unlike a flip where you're selling it and you're getting rid of it, getting rid of it and you're moving on, mm-hmm. I'm assuming you're holding these Airbnbs and managing them. Yeah. So is that a new branch? Are you going to manage them yourself? Are mm. you bringing on a, a you know a property manager? How are you going to? How's that happening? Yeah. So in the last seven months, we have set up six Airbnbs, which right. is quite crazy to think we're doing one a month, pretty much on average now. Yeah. Um, is it mostly cosmetic then, if that's the case? So like when you're setting them up? Yeah, it's the furniture styling aspect. So obviously yeah. it's a project that we've either built, developed or renovated mm-hmm. in the beginning mm-hmm. and then we're doing the final step of furnishing it yeah. and making it a livable property. So we're supplying everything that you need to be able to stay there for a weekend yeah. down to the little wrapped shampoos and all that sort of stuff yeah. like a hotel. So, um, I saw you doing on social media your guidebooks and you know all of those kinds of things that you're writing up as well yeah yeah that's right we have to provide manuals it's look basically it is a short stay hotel service yeah Um, I am on call 24 7 with the Airbnb business I manage it myself yeah Um, the reason I do and I think it's really important for anyone as well in business to learn it from the ground up yeah so my purpose in the beginning of me being the person was I need to know what it's all about first Mm -hmm. so then I can tweak it and make it better yeah and then I will step someone in because also I can gauge the workload now. So yeah, when someone okay. says to me, Lauren, I want to charge you this for managing that portfolio, I can say, hey, girl, boy, I know how many hours goes into this business because I've been doing it. Yeah. So this is what I think that actually we should be paying for it. Yeah. Whereas if I was not involved, I would not know. I mean, c- could you imagine how much work is involved managing no. Airbnbs, it's like foreign. It was foreign to me as well. So I was yeah. like, I have no choice. Yeah. I have to sit in and track this for a while yeah. and get it actually as well. Um, I have a bit of OCD, a bit of a perfectionist. <laughs> and um, I really had a goal within the Airbnb business to have like a Meriton. We want a five-star product, yeah. you know, and we obviously offer that within our house flipping business already and in the developments. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to make sure the same level was being carried out in the biz- in the Airbnb business. Yeah. And we have, within a very short period of time, been upgraded to – so there's something called a Superhost yeah. and then there's a Plus. Okay. So that's even higher than Superhost. Yeah. So now I'm a Plus host already within okay. a very short period of time and that's only happening because we are perfectionists yeah. in what we do. We're giving five-star service yeah. and that is responding anytime of the day or night Mm -hmm. you know and making sure the property is sparkling clean and it's like a hotel service for the guests yeah and they get to contact me they call me and go lauren the wi-fi is not working and i'm like okay hold on one moment i'll log you into the house next door yeah (laughs) until i have called telstra you know and it's really a whole new business once you move it on to the the hosting side of it Mm. it's you know a completely different ball game so it is Mm. And it's um it's very financially viable yeah. or else I would not be doing it. It would not be taking the time out of my reno business if it wasn't. So, yeah. Yeah. you know, it's something that I think um, in this marketplace at the moment with rental yields falling the way that they have, mm-hmm. um, I think all investors should be looking into their properties that they currently own and seeing if it fits the Airbnb model Okay, as well. Air DNA. Air DNA, girl. You've let it go now. It's out there. It's out there. You know what? Um, Helping others is a big motivation for me in what I do because we're self-made and um, I I think we get in our own way 
mm-hmm. on the journey of success. You know, a lot of us have dreams and aspirations that we choose not to follow ourselves. And if only we got out of our own way, we would do it. Yeah. And I feel like I... I want to transpire that message that I had to get out of my own way mm-hmm. in business to be able to do these things as well, mm-hmm. you know. It wasn't like no one handed it to me, here you go, all done and dusted, yeah. Lauren. I've had to go into areas that I know nothing about and learn yeah. from the ground up. What is your biggest motivator? You said before you're working 17 hours mm. a day, seven days a week at the moment. Yeah. you, you What know, is it? It's taken me a long time to actually find out my purpose in why I do what I do. Yeah. And it honestly has only come to me in the last year and that is through being exposed to some pretty high-level business coaches actually in Mm -hmm. the last 12 months Mm -hmm. and they ask you these questions constantly. Part of the business training is let's talk. We're going to reverse engineer your brain. Yeah. So we need to start from why and go backwards and commercialise your why. And my why is freedom. Okay. I just want the freedom to be able to be here with you Mm -hmm. if I want to go and have lunch down the road with someone but also still running my business, you know, off my mobile phone or, you know, like it's just it's such time is invaluable. Yeah, yeah. That's my motivation, Yeah, you know, and having it's a bonus that I'm doing something that I love. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I'm obsessed with real estate, yeah. uh, whether or not the market's doing great, I feel like um, our reality is what we create, mm-hmm. you know, and I've chosen to create a good one. Yeah. <laughs> are you ready for the, are you ready for an upturn in the market? Oh Can you handle God, it? Girl. I don't, <laughs> if I'm hyperactive as it is and doing 17 hours a day, God help us all when the market when turns. It turns. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> Actually, one of my um, goals for the business, and it has been for a long time, which it used to be a laugh, let's be honest. When I would say these things when I was goal setting, I'm like, oh, Lauren, you're an idiot. <laughs> Now it's not. Yeah. And actually, um, so I want to flip shopping centres. Wow. So. Um, Why not? Because I want to. There's wanna... plenty of crappy shopping centres around that need to be flipped. <laughs> yeah. I want to own a nail salon and a hairdressing salon and a clothes store. That was my only motivation. And now it's. And now it's starting could to become. Be yeah, we're actually, it, we're planning for it. Wow. Which I never How thought. How exciting. Yeah. Yeah, so um, exciting. and have been meeting and bumping into people and the universe has been giving me the signs. Like even last night, uh, look, I, I own a lot of furniture <laughs> in the business. Yeah. And sometimes things are too big to go into property, so I have to sell bits and pieces every now and then. And I was selling a coffee table last night, the guy that came to have a look at it. Don't even know how we got talking about it, but he's a property developer and he does shopping centres. Oh, and I wow. was like, of course you do. Yeah, there Thank you, go. you universe. <laughs> amazing yeah so my last question for you is I guess well I've got two and the one was the big goals and that sounds like a big goal sounds like a big goal for the year any other big goals on the horizon for you in the business oh in the business look I so my social media has been I've had to turn my account on private yeah I'm not really sure why it's growing yeah (laughs) But I like it and it's great, but I don't know what to do with it yet. <laughs> so the goal is to figure that out? Yes. Well, let's yeah. have a chat after the podcast. Maybe we can have a chat about that. Yeah. Yeah. So that's definitely there. Okay. Um, and the shopping centre commercial side of the business is definitely becoming a focus for us. Yeah. Um, and potentially, so currently we're operating 
95% subcontractors within mm-hmm. the business model. I am thinking of taking it to more of um, having an electrician on staff, having yeah. a carpenter on staff, plumber on staff, mm-hmm. and then making sure that we have the workload to keep them busy through the year. Yeah. Um, that is definitely a goal of mine to transform the business and the operations wow. within this year. That's exciting. Yes. Really, really actually. exciting. Growing the team, internal team. Yeah. Um, and my last question for you, any any final tips for fresh flippers, people mm. that are kind of thinking about having a crack, what would yeah. you say to them? Get a mentor. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That okay. changed everything for yeah. me. Someone to learn from. Then. And don't take advice or the opinions of your barbecue mates yeah. when it comes to property because everyone, like it's a necessity item like food. Yeah. Accommodation is pretty high up there and everyone's got an opinion on property, especially in Perth mm-hmm. and the market. Mm-hmm. And my my reply to someone who gives me their opinion is, how many have you done? Yeah. And this is, I think, actually probably one of the the biggest mistakes you can make is using that as a tool to guide yourself. So yeah. hearing what other people are saying and actually not filtering how much expertise they have mm-hmm. to be able to say what they, they are saying. And that's up to us to filter that. Mm-hmm. So getting a mentor is someone who does what you want to do. Mm-hmm. They do it successfully. They know what they're talking about and the advice that they're going to give you is relevant and that's the advice you take. Yeah. And that's a very rare thing to have in your circle when you're starting out. Yeah. It's not rare for me now because I only surround myself with people that are doing what I do. Yeah. Um, because it happens by default. The mm-hmm. business isn't part of me now. Yeah. So, like, I'm trying to go out for air <laughs> to get around people who aren't talking property now. Whereas in the beginning, I was trying to get around people talking property. Yeah. You know, and it's just, it's that like attract like. Mm-hmm. thing that happens like you know if you want to change your life you need to seek out what you want to be mm-hmm. and then once you become that then it will seek you yeah great advice mm. lauren this has been an absolute <laughs> pleasure yeah so thank cool. you so much thank and i'm you. really really excited to see what comes up for you for the next year mm, it's going to be big ones if people want to find you and check out the akibi reno where do they what's your instagram handle yeah we're at Perth Property Flippers. Beautiful. Not slippers. Not slippers. Flippers with an F. (laughs) Thank you so much. Thanks, Jess. That's it for this episode. We'd love any feedback or guest suggestions, so hit me up on Instagram on Jess at Crib. And if you enjoyed the show, don't forget to subscribe and be sure to tell a friend.